Welcome to the I Also Want Money podcast, where our mission is to democratize, demystify, and demasculinize making money. My name's Nicole Kyle, and I'm here with my co-host, Sophie Holm, and co-producer, Harrison Comfort. We have Karen Doster on the podcast. So Karen is a dear friend of mine who works at a healthcare startup, has an MBA, and has worked at a couple of different healthcare startups over the course of her career. And we're here to talk about uh, how to choose the best health plan for you and get into this mystery concept at least something that was a mystery to me, HSAs. So, hey, Karen, thanks for coming on. Oh, my God. Thank you for having me. I love any excuse to plug HSAs because I think they are so dope and not enough people know about them. Just to set the scene for everyone, uh, a few, as some of you know, a few months ago, I moved back to the U.S. after five years of living in the U.K., uh, where, fortunately, I didn't really have to deal that much with complicated private health insurance, right? The U.K. has socialized medicine, the NHS. So I come back to the States. My employer, obviously U.S.-based, sends me all these emails, benefits enrollments, et cetera. I was so overwhelmed, especially with the healthcare stuff that um, I, when Karen came over one day, I asked her, like, what's your thoughts here? And when I said I had an HSA available to me, literally, Karen, your face lit up. <laughs> oh my God. You make me sound like such a loser. <laughs> hey, I, being passionate about cool financial products is something we love here. So okay. in your own words, what is an HSA? So there is, there's HSAs and there's FSAs and people, uh, maybe you've heard of one or the other. You're not really sure what the difference is. So I think it's helpful to start there. Um, so FSAs are flexible spending accounts. And that is a benefit that is attached to your employer. And that's the one that is, quote, like, use it or lose it, where you have to spend the money in your FSA in that, in that year. Um, I think some of them, like a very small amount, will roll over. But that's if, you, if you've ever seen, like, ads from Warby Parker towards the end of, end of the year that are, like, you know, you can spend your FSA on glasses. Like they're trying Mm -hmm. to appeal to people who forgot that they have money in their FSA and need to spend it on um, like qualified health purchases. I feel like my mom every year calls me up and is like, do you need more contact solution? Because I have all this money in my FSA and like, don't know what to do with it. FSAs aren't bad if that I'll get into HSAs in a second, but if your plan is an HSA eligible, definitely take advantage of your of the ability to put money into an FSA. Just make sure you're actually like using it so that you don't get into a situation where you, you know you don't use it all year and you blow it on something that like you don't really need just to to spend the money. Um, yeah. So now HSAs are. Uh, the same in that you put money into them pre-tax uh, to spend on qualified um, health costs. However, the amazing thing about them is that they roll over year to year and they're not tied to your employer. So if you have an HSA uh, and you you know leave the leave the company, get a different job, whatever, you, take that HSA with you and you have it for the rest of your life. Um, now you can also uh, take the money in your HSA and invest it. And 
it's sort of like this, like the like triple benefit of you put money in uh, tax, you put money in tax free. Uh, you can invest it and it grows tax-free and then you take it out. And if you spend it on qualified um, health, health costs, it is tax-free. And, and the crazy thing is with the HSA, as you say, with that triple benefit, that's huge. And the thing I didn't realize, I certainly didn't realize it from, in my own case, just reviewing the materials that my employer sent me, that again, to your point, HSA is actually an investment account. Like mm-hmm. that's huge. The the HSA I got at my job immediately after school in like uh, I think like fall of 2019. Um, the each each um, like I guess account manager, you know, because a couple of different companies manage HSAs, and each of them have slightly yeah. different rules about when you can. Uh, start investing that money. So some it has to be like you need a thousand dollars in the account. Others, you know, it's a little bit more than that. But I saw that my company, if you chose the high deductible health plan, which there's some important considerations there, so I should come back to that. But if you chose the high deductible health plan for employees making under a certain amount, they would contribute $500 per calendar year to your HSA. And then you could also contribute. So I basically calculated like, what do I have to do to hit that $1,000 benchmark pretty quickly? Mm -hmm. And then as soon as I did, I just took all that money, put it into a, you know, and this is again, like don't pick the default, just pick some total market index fund with the lowest fee possible, put it in there, sort of like set it and forget it. And then, um, you know, in 10 years when I have a baby and 20 years when I have a major health crisis and, you know, whenever I need it, um, that money is there. Yeah. And it's huge. And it's so, it's so easy to overlook. I I think certainly in my case, the provider or the company, whoever made this decision kind of undersells the, the potential for like making money off of this HSA through that investment potential. Yep. And the sort of the, the, cool thing too is like if you are someone who is blessed with um just like extremely good health throughout your entire life or if you just have you know money from other sources and don't necessarily need to dig into your HSA after 65 you can use that the money in that account on anything it no longer has to be um like qualified health health costs but it it will be it will be Ta- the you know income taxes applied to the distribution, but there's no penalty for spending it on on other things once you're older. It's just you know you have to pay income tax. Because as Karen says, these do differ a little bit employer to employer. So my employer, um, if you, again, take the HSA option and it is the kind of higher deductible plan, um, I'm fortunate I'm in you know, fairly good health and young enough where that's okay. Um, the, you know, my employer contributes $750 annually to the HSA for folks on that option. And then the, the threshold for starting to invest is $1,000. Mm-hmm. So for, um, for, for my HSA, anything over that $1,000 threshold. So I just have to keep $1,000 in that HSA cash account. Anything over that, I can move over into the HSA investment account. And again, just as Karen said, you know, put it in an index fund and so on, fund and so on. Uh, so, you know, just started playing around with that. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, what I'm still trying to figure out, maybe Karen, you can help me is how, 
how how fluid can you know how how often can you move things before sixty five? Let's say from your investment account to your cash HSA and and vice versa. Do you know? Uh, meaning, ba- well, so and you can move you can move things from the cash portion to the amount that's invested as much as you want, as long as it's mm-hmm. like there's no penalty for moving it back and forth, as long as it stays in your. HSA. The cool thing too is I, I didn't realize, and I guess it does depend on your plan, but when you're making this decision, like I'd at least highly recommend Googling or looking up through your, your company's provider what those eligible and ineligible HSA uh, mm-hmm. expenses are. Uh, for Again, it differs, but it can include things like acupuncture, um, obviously Karen mentioned contact solution, eyeglasses, all that good mm-hmm. stuff. And, you know, tampons and menstrual products, those were a sticking point for me. But I, I saw at least, I think it was some 2020 regulation that now mandates uh, menstrual products mm-hmm. being a, an yeah. eligible expense. It's wild that it took until 2020. I mean, you, I'm sure this has come up on the pod before and you could probably do like a whole episode. But yeah, it took until 2020 for tampons to be an eligible medical expense and like band-aids were (laughs) on that list for forever so it's like depending on where the blood is coming from in your body it's treated differently which is just absolutely bonkers to me but you know would you mind maybe outlining even if in just percentages or however you want to do it like what's what's your hsa investment approach i know you mentioned index fund but uh how often are you contributing to the investment account yeah so my approach is to so so first of all fsas and hsas both have um annual contribution limits, and those are different for uh, singles versus um, folks with dependents. So that's important to know. That being said, like the HSA limit is is pretty high. It's like over $3,000. But my approach is to just find a number that you are comfortable with based on, you know, sort of the rest of your financial picture set that to contribute on a monthly basis. Again, this is, you know, a pre-tax contribution. So it's sort of like a nice, you know, decide, set it and forget it. Um, Mm -hmm. And then just have that going into your HSA every month. And then what I do is because I've hit, like you have hit the the minimum that you need in cash in order to be able to invest. I just have that amount then going straight into the index fund every month. And again, that's sort of like that idea of like, just put money in on, put a little bit of money in on a regular basis. And like, sometimes you'll hit the market when it's high. Sometimes you'll hit it when it's low. But like, again, in 10, 20 years, when I plan on probably actually having a need for this, um, you know, it, it, it won't matter. So this isn't something you should really be like looking at to try to time or doing a lot of trading with like, that's not (laughs) like, that's not what this is for. And then also, I I guess just taking a step back to like, as much as I love HSAs and as fantastic as they are, they're sort of like a, I don't want to say like extra credit, but like if you're not already maxing out your 401k, you know, if you're not like paying down credit card debt, if you have it, things like that, like there's probably financial health things you should do mm-hmm. before you get to your HSA. It's just sort of like a really, really cool, often overlooked um, 
product, which is why I try to like, you know, be an evangelist for the HSA movement, really. But I should put like a sort of a word of warning about, so HSAs can only be used um, with health insurance plans that are quote unquote HSA eligible, which Mm -hmm. is going to be high deductible health plans, although not all high deductible health plans are HSA eligible because again, of course, everything has to be like as complicated as possible. Um, But high deductible health plans are, again, it's sort of just like you need to know, um, you know, you need to know your own uh, like medical history and medical needs. And then I don't want to say like risk tolerance, but uh, one thing I always think about, especially just surrounded by, by healthcare all day is that like nothing can wipe out a otherwise very comfortable you know, middle-class family, quite like a major health crisis. So if you are somewhat where like, you know, worst case scenario, something happens and you like really need a lot of um, medical treatment and, uh, you know, your deductible is I don't know, something like, some of them are like $4,000, $6,000 or something like that. If you would not be able to cover that cost, I would not suggest an H uh, a high deductible health plan just to get the HSA. Like, you know, go with a, go with a health plan that has a slightly higher monthly premium, um, is an HSA eligible, but will have a lower deductible so that in the event that something terrible does happen or you need to see a specialist or, or, you know, whatever, um, you're only paying a thousand or something out of pocket or 400 or, or whatever the deductible is and not, um, again, that, in, that entire deductible. Yeah. And I think, I think what you've outlined there is like the best step one, mm-hmm. like step one inventory, the likelihood that you have a, a big health crisis and your ability to respond to it, that's going to be kind of your deductible decision point. Mm-hmm. And then if you find yourself in, Hey, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable taking on that higher deductible. That's when you can start looking yep. at this HSA. Exactly. Karen, I have kind of an off the wall question for oh you and it does, it does call for some, you know, spe- speculation, but uh, what do you think would happen if America moved to a socialized medicine model in, you know, the next 25 years, what would happen to our HSAs? Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I don't, I, as much as I would love to see that happen from, and maybe this is too pessimistic, but from working in the, in the industry and just seeing like right how entrenched and, uh, um, uh, struggling to find the right words, but yeah, I just, I, I don't think that it's likely that we will move to a, a, you know, totally socialized system a la what you had in the UK. Um, I think like the, the interests of the insurance companies of, uh, you know, private health systems, all of these different players are just too great. They're too powerful. There's, there's too much money at stake. Um, I think the sentiment is certainly shifting that way, but I, I'm, I am not optimistic that we will see that in our life. So I, I think your, your HSA will be just fine. We have to figure out 
something. Um, I think like what attracted me in general to the healthcare industry is it's one of the few places where you can both dramatically improve outcomes while dramatically reducing costs because right now our costs are so high. The outcomes are so poor. It's like, Mm -hmm. how do we, you know, spend two to three times what other countries uh, spend on maternity care? And yet our, you know, we're one of, I think, three countries in the world where the maternal mortality rate has been rising over the past decade. Like, it, we, we got to figure out something and, and fast before we just collapse under, under the weight of the, of the healthcare spend in this country. You had one piece of advice to someone listening to this and thinking, gosh, I don't know if my employer offers an HSA. What should they do tomorrow? I figure out the next time you can, you can make a decision, sort of start to get familiar with. Typically, your company is going to offer a plan similar, plans similar to what they did in previous years. Um, so yeah, I'd say look at your options, see if that's available to you. Um, if you have a high deductible health plan now, you um, are probably able to just open one up. I don't think you have to elect an HSA at the time of enrollment, but every company could be a little bit different. Um, so that's something you should you should check. But I would say the, the first place to start is, you know, look at the materials HR has already provided to you. Talk to people in HR that they're, you know, that like it's their job to help you. So I would say, don't be afraid to, to take advantage of that. I know at least for, for my company where I sort of, hand, we're very small, but I, you know, handle all of the admin, you know, stuff like that. Like I love, you know, helping people figure out what makes the most sense for them, answering their questions, you know, bugging our, our insurance brokers to, to get answers to things we need. So uh, the one thing I'll add too is at least where, where I work, uh, your, you can change your HSA contribution mm-hmm. monthly. So if you start saving, you know, putting, I don't know, a hundred dollars a month into an HSA and then decide you want to be more or less aggressive, you don't, that, that is not dependent on open enrollment. Once you're in the HSA, you can adjust that. Yep, exactly. Uh, yeah. Ongoing. Or if you want to, you know, like, like maybe front load it to get to that, um, yep. minimum to invest and then sort of scale it back. Well, this has been fabulous. Um, thank you for coming on and, uh, thanks for, for evangelizing the beauty of HSAs. Oh my God. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, join us in the I Also movement. This means take to your social platforms and post a hashtag I Also statement. Follow us on Instagram at I Also Podcast. And of course, subscribe. This podcast is produced by Harrison Comfort and the theme tune is by Malin Linnea.